Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan, flying solo tonight. Let me apologize for the lack of a show last week off the top. Uh, we did actually record, but <laughs> the audio was a complete disaster. We had real technical difficulties and I just wasn't able to piece it back together. You can thank Nick Ligatino and his uh, rig and his chasing of cats in the parking lot of truck stops for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're back this week. Um, like I said, solo cast, but uh, apologize for missing last week. But I mean, to come back to this, the prospect dam has certainly broken. Um, that's going to be the first part of the show tonight, breaking down the uh, extremely recent call-ups, the flood of call-ups that we have seen. And I'll kiss, I'll kick it off with, uh, Keston, Keston Hira, who was called up by the Milwaukee Brewers with Travis Shaw heading, heading to the DL. Shaw quickly, um, really struggled this year. Um, they indicated that it was an injury, I believe with his wrist. That dates back to him getting hit by a pitch early in April. I do recall that, but I also recall he was struggling in spring training um, in terms of striking out a bunch and struggling before he got hit by the pitch. Um, so I wonder if that's just some cover or if there's any real um, you know, backing to that injury uh, as a cause for his struggles, which have been pretty epic to this point. But Hero's going to get a shot. Uh, in the meantime, professional hitter spreads the ball around to all fields. A line drive hitter with good discipline. I think Hero's going to hit for average. Um, the K rate was climbing a little bit in AAA. I know he had a rough day at the plate today. I know he struck out multiple times. I think it might have been three or four um, against the Phils. Um, that might have something to do with his effort to bring a little more pop. Uh, I personally think he profiles pretty similar to Anthony Rendon as a hitter and may follow a similar path. Um, in this climate with developing power, I, I think Hira could pace, you know, over the course of a full season, sort of at a low twenties pop with double digit steals. Uh, he'll come in, you know, a quarter below that if he plays, uh, a full season from here on out. The opportunity is pretty decent. Shaw has been terrible. As I stated, if Hira hits, I think he can take this job. Um, you know, Shaw is, uh, was was playing at third. Mustakas was playing at second. Mustakas has been better uh, than Shaw by miles. And Mustakas' natural position is third base. Hira is a natural second baseman, so it's an upgrade defensively as well for them if they do that. Um, <clears throat> and I think the lineup is, although the lineup is good, I do think that there's uh, potential for him to move up to a more um, lucrative spot in terms of counting production if he does hit. Uh, he's a prototypical number two hitter. Um, he could slot in very nicely between Kane and Yelich uh, if they wanted to go that route. If he proves himself, I think he's a ways off of that. But I think that potential does exist. Um, but on the downside, he's certainly not, not locked in. I mean, if he struggles and he had a bad day today um, and Shaw comes back and from the injury and is hitting in rehab and is showing the ability to really hit pitches in the strike zone, which has been his bugaboo for the start of this year. It's really the reason why he struggled and the K rate has soared because he's been struggling inside the zone. 
and here is hitting, you know, 240 with, you know, minimal power and minimal counting production and not really, you know, putting up extra base power, uh, you know, just a bunch of singles uh, or, or carrying a high strikeout rate. Yeah, there's certainly potential for him to go back down. Um, and I certainly wouldn't write him off uh, for fu- for the future, but uh, I mean he's a he's a legitimate top forty type prospect. Um, so I mean the upside is very real, and I-, I think that he will hit right away. But you need to be leery of the downside as well. And this is a team that's gonna that's built to win now. They're not going to hang on to uh, you know a two. 40 230 hitter with a very little pop if that's what here is going to be over whatever kind of sample he gets with Shaw out um but I, over the course of a larger sample I think here would definitely hit I think he's uh one of the top pure hitters um one of the top pure hitting prospects and um and I, I thought the pop would come and we've started to see it come in the minors this year uh and he's in a great home park for power so I, I do do expect him to hit for power when he finally does take the job, but that's who he kind of puts me in mind. Kind of reminds me of, kind of reminds me of very early Anthony Rendon, sort of the 285, 2010 type, and and that's a really nice player in the middle infield, and and I do think he can hit for average right away, um, which is always at a premium these days. Okay, that'll move it to Brendan Rodgers, um, the Rockies shortstop. Uh, he's going to be called up, I believe, tomorrow, which is Friday. Um, so, you know, if you're on a Yahoo league or, or in a league where um, the prospects aren't available to you, um, he won't clear waivers for a few days if it's a daily league. Um, he's shown improved patience. He's lowered his K rate. Those are the things that you want to see. Uh, cores is obviously a major advantage. Uh, Hampson has been sent down. We know that they don't love McMahon either. Uh, Trevor Story is banged up with a knee problem. But, you know, you also have to look at the other side of it. With the way the Rockies have done their prospects, from McMahon to Hampson to David Dahl at times to Ramil Tapia, it makes you wonder what kind of leash he has before they start longing for Pat Vileka again. But like I said, with Coors, I mean, Rodgers is a premium prospect. He could hit the ground running and rake and secure a role. And, you know, if you were starting the season over again and you were redrafting and you knew Brendan Rodgers was getting the job from – going to get the opportunity from day one in Coors, he would certainly be a very sought-after asset. Um, he's probably got the highest ceiling of the group that I'm going to talk about tonight among the prospects based on the fact that it's Coors alone. But he's also got a lot of volatility in terms of what can happen to him. Um, the Rockies haven't shown a lot of patience with these guys, and they haven't been hesitant to put them on the bench even, not even just send them back down. Um, you know, obviously Rodgers is a frontline prospect, and he's not. Uh, McMahon and Hampson are obviously a step or two or three below him in terms of the, the sort of pedigree that, they, that he has compared to they have. But you do have to be leery of that. <clears throat> and he's certainly going to hit in the back of the lineup to start with. Now, there is room for him to move up. I mean, you're talking about a catching situation that's zero. You're talking about um, Ian Desmond or, or Ramiel Tapia, who um, are, are okay players. I mean, Desmond's been awful, but 
you know, they're not going to prevent Rodgers from moving up if he hits. Um, Stories banged up. That could be the other part of this equation. Is Rodgers just up to provide insurance uh, at short? Uh, you know, that's another consideration here. So, I mean, there is, there's a lot of question marks uh, as to what exactly his role is, what sort of opportunity this is. But it's one that's certainly, I think, worth rolling the dice on just in the event that you catch lightning in a bottle. And you're, you're combining that potential that you catch lightning in a bottle with uh, a player that has shown some significant improvements this year. Uh, so he may be coming into his own and he might be ready to cash in on that elite pedigree and be getting called up to cores at exactly the right time to take advantage of it. Another one of the prospects that was called up, uh, Austin Riley with the Braves, um, has been a third base prospect, but is currently playing the outfield, a corner outfield spot with Ender and Ciarte on the DL. Uh, I'm really excited for Riley. Uh, Joe and I acquired him in Dynasty this offseason. He's taken a nice step forward in the minors, uh, an improved K rate all the way down to sub 20%. The power has always been the carrying tool, and we're playing with juice balls now, so... It could be a real game changer um, for for teams that are lacking in power or struggling to keep up in power. <laughs> you may not be lacking, but you may be uh, just the, the numbers are astronomical in terms of the amount of home runs that are being hit. So, um, you know, you might have a strong base, but you could always use a little more. And, and Riley certainly has the power to help. <laughs> I like this situation uh, quite a bit. Um, NCRT has struggled. He was inconsistent last year. Acuna can handle center and they can bring in NCRT late in games as a defensive replacement. Riley can also spell Donaldson or step in there. If there's an injury, that's not completely unheard of Josh Donaldson getting hurt. Um, I, I, and I, and again, I think similar to Rogers, we've seen him sort of take a step this year, um, in the right direction. Uh, it came up, hit a mammoth Homer last night. Um, I'm not sure how he's doing tonight. But I definitely think there's a role there. I don't think that Nick Markakis is going to be a major roadblock either. I know Markakis has been good for the Braves over the last uh, year and a half. But if they really feel like they've got to get in Ciarte in center, uh, I think the upside of Riley might force their hand to send Markakis to the bench. At minimum, I could see uh, you know a, a sort of role where he's playing four or five games out of six a week and sort of rotating in and out between Inciarte and Marcakis and Riley and Donaldson, uh, sort of making all of those pieces move. Um, Certainly, just like the others, there is this chance that this is just a uh, DL stint for Inciarte and then he's back and Riley struggles and he's back down. But you can say that for all of these guys. The Braves have been pretty aggressive with their young prospects and had pretty good success with them. I mean, uh, even when Swanson has struggled, he he has not gone down. Uh, Acuna, obviously, all-world prospect, fantastic. But when he came up, he was up for good. Uh, Ozzy Albies came up, hit, continued to hit, and has stayed up. So... It, it, it the Braves' M.O. is to give these guys the opportunity and, and let them run with it. Uh, I, I think that they're going to do the same with Riley, and, and I think that Riley is, is going to go through some ups and downs. He, there is going to be some 
some um, outages where the power doesn't come and the batting average isn't great over over stretches. But I, I think that he's a fantastic power prospect. I like the fact that he's going to have the third base and the outfield eligibility. Um, there are there are runs to be driven in um, in this lineup when you're talking about Acuna and you're talking about Albies and Freeman uh, and Donaldson. It's a it's a loaded lineup, so I think the run production potential is there. Do I expect him to hit much better than 260? Probably not, but I, I think that he could legitimately go at a 30 plus homer pace. You know, full season wise. So I mean, there could be 20. 20, 25 homers in his bat from this point on. And you combine that with the lineup that he's in and um, some improved plate discipline. Maybe the average can tick up a little higher uh, to a 270, and that's when you really got something. But uh, I would be pretty aggressive on Riley as I would be with Rogers and Hira. I, I, I think they all have their, um, their positives. I, I think that being finding the thing is, is I think you're going to have to find unless they run on different days. I think you're going to have to find the one that you like best and really commit. Um, I, I, I just don't know that you can manage uh, a, a situation where you're going to be able to get all of these guys, all three of them or two of them even um, when you have other teams bidding on them. So you might want to pay a few more, few dollars more for the guy you like, or maybe it's the guy you need. I mean, maybe you've got a hole at second. Maybe you've got a hole at short. Maybe maybe you're struggling in the outfield, or you need some help at third base. Um, you know, that's that that might be the deciding factor as well, and that might be something that you want to think about and, and consider in terms of who you're going to bid on and why. Um, all three have uh, extreme potential. Um, they're all a bit different. Um, like I said, Rogers probably has the highest ceiling. Um, I would say that um, <clears throat> here has probably got the safest production floor. And I think Riley may have the safest opportunity floor among the three. So there's a little something for everybody. Um, you know, pick your poison. I, I don't, I wouldn't hesitate to, to spend some dollars on these guys though. Uh, next up, Nicky Lopez. Uh, he was a shortstop in the minors, uh, playing second now for the Royals. Uh, he's super interesting. He's got some pop, good speed, outrageous plate discipline, uh, and on base skills. So he, he walked more than he struck out by quite a bit in the minors. He's hitting two right away, which is really nice. Um, he's definitely got a lower ceiling than the other guys I've talked about thus far, but the opportunity doesn't really come with any questions. There's no, well, so-and-so is injured if he comes back, blah, blah, blah. And and the, we've seen this with the Royals that they've kind of let, in recent years, at least when they've been down, they've kind of let these guys play and work through their struggles and, and find it. And the fact that they're hitting this guy too, is it, it says to me that, that he's a player that they really believe in. Um, he's going to add second base eligibility where he doesn't already have it. So you're going to have that shortstop second combo, which is always nice. Um, Merrifield looks like he's moved to the outfield to accommodate him. You know, this wasn't a situation where there was some kind of injury and they had to shuffle the decks and and figure out how to put out a really competitive, competitive lineup. I think they've committed to him. So um, if you believe in your talent, in his talent, I think he's the safest bet for the long-term value. 
And I do not expect him to cost anywhere near what Hira, Riley, and Rogers will cost um, because of the situation, because he doesn't have the pedigree, um, and and he doesn't really have the upside. But he's I think he's got probably the safest floor among the four of them because I think the Royals are going to commit to him. And on top of that, he's already in an advantageous lineup spot. Granted, it's a lesser lineup, um, but the volume will be there. Um, he'll get an extra at-bat you know, every so often, whereas those other guys have got to kind of find their way into a premium spot. Um, the, the, run, the opportunity to score will be there, and he'll also have the opportunity to drive in Merrifield. Um, you know, I, I really like him as a two-hole hitter. I, I, I think that that's the right spot for him, and I, and I think that he's got the potential to, to be a sneaky add uh, for those of you that maybe don't want to commit to uh, the higher-end assets, although uh, he could even be a backup plan. You know, this could be the guy that you get in addition to one of those big uh, fish. You know, if you, if you, if you really want to go gung-ho after Hero or Riley or Rogers, maybe you put a little bit of that uh, extra fab that you've got into Lopez um, and you can get both. <clears throat> or he's not a bad consolation prize either, in my opinion. Okay, Corbin Martin um, came up for the Strohs. He had a very impressive first start. Plenty of whiffs, plenty of Ks. Um, he has a he had nine Ks, and I believe it was five and a third. Um, he's got a pretty nice opportunity here with Colin McHugh out of the rotation. I, I think that experiment is done. Josh James is not excelling in the bullpen uh, or forcing the Astros' hand to put him into the rotation. The thought was that he would be the next guy. Uh, at the start of the year, he it has not panned out for him. So Corbin Martin got the first opportunity. Forrest Whitley was another name that was tossed about, but he's been uneven at best um, in the minors. So uh, Martin got the call. And then you've also got Brad Peacock, who who's walking sort of a razor's edge of being hot and cold at various times. Um, and he might be the next guy out of the rotation as opposed to um, Martin if Martin continues to perform. Um, I think you've got to be willing to take a shot on an Astros starter, given their track record. Uh, they've they've been very very good uh, with their pitching, with with taking guys and getting the most out of them. Uh, See Wade Miley, um, he's got a uh, good velocity from the right side, a pair of secondaries. <laughs> he's had some control issues in the minors this season. Uh, you wonder if those will rear their head before long. I know he's starting against the Red Sox tomorrow, um, so that might be a, a bit of the dam breaking. Um, I wouldn't start him there if I if I had him, um, you know, all things being equal. Uh, I think I would avoid that one and and just see how he does. And if he, you know, mows down the Red Sox, then you might really have something. Um, but all in all, it was a very impressive first shot. He's definitely worth the chance in this landscape. He's not a soft tosser. Uh, he's got the secondary pitches. And unlike with the hitters, I mean, the prospect landscape for pitching isn't fantastic. I mean, I like Dylan Cease, um, A.J. Puck, and Jesus Lazardo. I, I like, and they're on the comeback trail. Forrest Whitley, I like, but he's struggling, and Martin has, ju- has jumped him now in terms of um, getting the opportunity. So, yeah, it's not it's not as pretty on the pitching side, in my opinion. It's It's a landscape that has, there are talented arms, and there's arms I like. But it, it, they're just not as 
close as the hitters are. There's just not as much immediacy there. I mean, Cease is the one that we could definitely see come up um, shortly. Um, everybody else that um, is really on the higher end is a bit further away. So um, if you're struggling for the pitching and you need it, it might not be bad to throw a few bucks on Corbin Morton if you still have the opportunity um, to. Oscar Mercado is the uh, next player we're going to talk about. was called up by the Indians. He's got a decent path here. Um, the Indians outfield and lineup is, is quite messy. Uh, he's got a bit of pop. He can run. He, he's going to hit for a nice average. Uh, it's sort of a little bit of everything sort of package. Um, he doesn't have the sort of uh, juice or buzz of a Bradley Zimmer um, who's going to rear his head in Cleveland at some point. Um, you know, he's been hurt on and off for the last few years. Um, I'm not quite sure what his status is. Uh, let me look that up, actually. But Mercado is, um, is, is, is a former Cardinals prospect. They, he's, he's got a, the ability to hit for a plus average. Uh, he's, and, the, and the opportunity is certainly there. I mean, all you have to do is look at that lineup day in and day out. And you can see that they're rolling out um, you know, cargo on a daily basis. It's just, it's, it's, it's a situation. I mean, they've been rolling out Tyler Naquin who was, who was injured and that's what um, led to the Mercado call up. So, I mean, Zimmer wouldn't even be necessarily be a, a roadblock. You know, it's not like Mercado and Zimmer can't be up at the same time in this lineup. They certainly can. Okay, so Bradley Zimmer, last report, uh, is today, and he's going to start DHing in spring training games. So he's still uh, quite a ways away. Um, so Mercado is going to get some run here, and 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 I think that if he's anywhere near decent, um, he can he can keep a role on this team. Uh, and what's nice about him, I, and this is just my personal expectation, I don't think the Cleveland Indians are going to stick around. Um, I, I think they're going to um, fall out of it. I, I just don't think there's enough talent on that team, which sounds strange given the kind of high-end arms that they came into the season with and uh, with Lindor and Ramirez. But it, it, it's just a team that's got too many holes, in my opinion. And, and they've got some guys on um, contracts that are nearing the end. So, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer being one and Trevor Bauer is struggling. Um, I wouldn't be stunned to see them become sellers at some point. And then there's absolutely no reason not to play Mercado. So while Mercado might not be uh, a super high-end uh, type talent, I think he's got a decent shot to seize a role. And even if he doesn't seize the role now, I think before the end of the year he'll be playing every day uh, for the Indians. Okay, and Willie Calhoun, um, not, really a, not really a prospect, doesn't qualify as a prospect anymore, um, but he was a trendy sleeper in mixed leagues at the beginning of last year. Um, he didn't really ever get a full-on chance last year. Um, he's got a shot in Texas now. He's sitting near the top of the lineup with Elvis Andrus out. Andrew suffered a hamstring injury. He hit the DL. Um, they don't believe it's serious. They think he'll be back. Um, so it's a it's a window, but it's a, a short window, most likely for Calhoun. Um, 
But he can earn his way onto this team regardless of whether or not Andrus comes back because, I mean, it's not like Calhoun is out there playing short. <laughs> and that's always been the book on Calhoun is, is that he's a, he's a quality hitter, he's a quality bat. Where does he play? Because his defense is terrible no matter where you put him. Um, he's got a couple of bombs already. Um, he's, his hitting is sort of interesting. He's a, he's a low strikeout guy, uh, but he's, he's never really been a, a really good BABIP guy. Uh, because he tends to pop out and and hit fly balls um, at higher rates, and he and he's he's not necessarily quick or fast, so um, it's not like he's beating out a lot of infield hits either. Um, but I mean, he can be like a 25, 30 homer bat, um, at least you know in terms of what he's what the pedigree says that he is. He could be a 25, 30 homer bat over the course of a full season, and hit somewhere between. But, you know, the two, I want to say 280 to 250 type range. I don't know that it would tick much below 250, um, given the fact that the strikeout rate is so low. Um, So, I mean, he's kind of similar to Riley. They're different players um, in that Riley will probably walk a bit more and strike out a bit more. Um, So his, his batting average might be a little bit more subject to volatility, where I think Calhoun kind of falls within a certain range of outcomes. Um, but Calhoun, um, I hate to be a broken record, like, but like with the others, um, Texas hasn't appeared enamored with him. Uh, he's, he's off to a nice start, but if he hits, you know, 10 days to two weeks of poor work, there's a chance that he, uh, finds his way back down because he doesn't provide any value with the glove. Um, but again, it's sort of the, it's sort of two tiers, right? You know, you're looking at the top end and you're looking at Rogers and you're looking at Riley and you're looking at Hira. And then you sort of have these other guys with Lopez and Mercado uh, and Calhoun who could provide some value uh, and won't cost you nearly as much, but can sort of be poor man's versions of the, of the sort of high, higher end guys. And Calhoun in particular is just strictly post height. Um, and you might not have to wait on him. He might be, a free agent just outright, um, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be no sort of waiver period that, that comes with the prospects in certain formats. So um, Calhoun is one to take a look at. Uh, it might be a short look, but um, there is some upside there. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for the prospects. And what I want to do for the rest of the show is just sort of, touch on um, some some players that are off to hot starts that we didn't quite expect. Um, and, and most of these guys, I, I think, are for real. And the first guy I want to talk about is Hunter Dozier, um, who's played in uh, 39 games now. He's got nine homers, a steal, 22 runs, 24 RBIs, a 312, 402, 603, slash 12% walk rate, 19% K rate. Uh, obviously, those numbers are all good. Um, and there's more good to come, a 47.3% hard contact rate, a 41.8% fly ball rate, 19% line drive rate, a 0.0% infield fly ball rate, um, pulling the ball at a 40% clip, and a 7.5% swing strike rate. I mean, I, I am very impressed with what Hunter Dozier has done. Um, that swing strike rate says to me that the K rate isn't going to go much higher. 
Um, in fact, I think it may come down a little bit. I think 19% might be a little bit high. Um, it's backed by a 26% O swing, which is good. And a 96.6% zone contact rate. I mean, he is, he is waiting for his pitch to come into the zone. And when it's coming into the zone, he's hitting it with nearly a 50% hard contact rate. Um, pull side fly balls. So the power is going to be there. I think there's a lot to like here. He's got some sneaky speed and he's on a team that's not going to stop him from running. So he could be sort of what we expected from Travis Shaw and what we talked about, you know, like that sort of like 30, 10 type with livable batting average. Um, he's in a bit of a cold spell over the past week, but I don't see anything that makes me, um, you know, panicked. I, I think now might be a good time to buy into the Valley a little bit. You're still obviously going to spend up from where you had to get them before the year began. But I'm I'm buying Dozier. I I think that this is a, a pretty legit player, um, and and I would buy in to to what he's done to this point. I mean, I don't think he's going to hit 40 bombs, but I definitely think he could approach 30. And uh, again, Kansas City is a is a team that is going to play a player like Hunter Dozier and play him every day. Uh, and let him sort of go through the motions of developing into a major league player. He's not um, Keston Hira, for example, who's got a hit right away uh, because Milwaukee is good. Uh, um, Kansas City is going to let Hunter Dozier play, and he's going to see the volume. And um, I don't think he's going to be a 300 hitter either, but I could definitely see like a 270, 30 homer type type profile here and it's pretty exciting and I don't think that you're going to have to pay for that um, even given his current performance I think that you could probably um, get uh, Hunter Dozier for a um, you know a, a, a buy low candidate you're going to have to give up somebody who is more expensive at the draft table but if there's a player that you've got that you've got some red flags on that you're not feeling confident about this might be a guy that I try and go out and get um, to, to, to help stem the tide and get rid of some dead weight um, that might not be as appealing to me. Okay, second, I want to talk about Matt Boyd. Um, he's through nine starts, uh, 54.1 innings pitched, a 3.15 ERA. That's great. Uh, 10.77K per nine, obviously great. Good control, 2.15 walks per nine. A 13.2% swinging strike rate. That's up 3% year over year. And a 73.9% contact rate against. That's down 4%. And the homer homer to fly ball rate is down about 3%. So, I mean, the the story has has been made very plain. We've seen an increase on the slider. Um, The the popular comparison has been to Patrick Corbin. Uh, He's not quite gone to that degree, but the slider, and the slider isn't Corbin's slider, but it's very good. Um, It it can work. The package can work. Um, But it can also lead to some pain in small samples. Um, If he struggles for a feel for his slider at any point, the fastball isn't great. It's not good enough to carry the day. And there's just not really another secondary there for him to fall back on. Uh, Boyd has thrown a changeup in the past, and maybe that can reemerge. But as of right now, it's just not there. But uh, listen, I'm not trying to pour too much cool water on this guy. I think he's pretty legit. Uh, the slider is awesome. 
the team is bad. I wonder if maybe at 28 years old, if they see if someone wants to buy into him and maybe his surroundings improve. Um, <clears throat> he struggled in his last start, but with the state of pitching, I think you would really struggle to find a seller that would give you a decent discount based on what he's done so far. Um, so I think Dozier is an obtainable asset. I don't think you can go out and get Boyd for um, any sort of discount um, or any sort of appreciable discount. Um, and I I'm, I'm mostly am a believer in what he's done. I, I, I think the home run rate's going to come up, um, and I think he's going to have some, some blow-up starts where the slider's out of the zone and <clears throat> they're just not chasing it because he's not... <clears throat> excuse me, he's not living on the fringes enough, um, you know, where he's where he's he's missing his spots with it, and then he's got to come in with the fastball. And, and I think that that might lead to some ERA inflation um, over time, but uh, if he's mid-threes with a 10-plus K per nine, uh, you're, you're going to like that, especially with the walk rate, if the walk rate stays down. So he's... He's he's got a a, a a an appreciable upside. He's got he's got the ability to be certainly a top thirty starting pitcher um, the rest of the way. I believe. Uh, next up is Kettle Marte, uh, forty three games played, nine homers, three steals, twenty four runs, thirty RBIs, two sixty two, three twenty four, four ninety four, slash. Uh, 41% hard contact rate, 37% fly ball rate, almost a 20% line drive rate, pulling the ball at a 40% clip, and swinging and missing just 8.2% of the time. So uh, all those numbers are pretty good. I mean, you'd like to see the batting average a little bit higher, but that's sort of the trade-off for the power, and I think you can live with that. Um, you know, I've liked Marte for a while, and, and I like him especially with the eligibility. I mean, he's a player that's got second short and outfield now. Uh, low swing and strike rate. He's got decent discipline. I don't think he's a 30-homer guy like the pace indicates, but could be a 20-25 guy with 15 steals and a 270 average. That's a really nice piece since he still has the second and short eligibility. And I, and I, and I do. I think that this is sort of the breakout that we've been waiting for from him. It's not quite the form that everybody expected. I think people always thought he would kind of flip the power and the speed, be more of a teens power guy and steal 20 some odd bases. Um, and, you know, at least that was the expectation for me. <coughs> um, originally, uh, going into this year, I said that he could be like a 2015 type. I, I think that the power is going to go beyond that based upon what he's done so far. It wouldn't shock me if he paces out the rest of the way for about a 20 homer pace. Um, it's not always going to be smooth. Marte is a player that tends to run hot and cold. Uh, I'd like to see him run the bases a little bit more frequently. I'd like to see him show a little bit more willingness to run. He's got plenty of speed, even though he's added some muscle. Um, and, you know, if you're in a keeper format, you should keep in mind, if he doesn't get some starts at second and short, I, the profile is good, but it's not going to be as appealing next year. <clears throat> you know, certainly a, a player that can go uh, 2015 and hit for a respectable average and and put up good counting numbers is going to have value, but it's a lot more attractive when you've got that second and short eligibility, in my opinion. So if you're in a keeper format and you don't think that this is your year, um, you might be able to trade him at the peak of his value at this point. 
um, because if he becomes one of many outfielders that can do that sort of um, skill set, his value will drop off pretty precipitously. Okay, next up I want to talk about Brandon Woodruff. Um, 10.99K per nine, 3.17 walks per nine. So a little higher on the walks than you like to see, but the K rate's great and the walks aren't. It's not at a troublesome level. A 352 BABIP, that's a... That's painful. Uh, 372 ERA despite that Babbitt. Um, so this was my Brewers guy. Uh, you know, there was there was hype around Corbin Burns and there was hype around Freddie Peralta and there was some hype around Brandon Woodruff as well. Um, Woodruff has been incorporating his sinker, a 10.9% swing strike rate. The first strike rate is up. The VLO has stayed steady despite moving to the rotation. Uh, he's got the whiff rate to support a strong K rate. Um, he's got good enough control. The, the BABIP is crazy high. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if it remains high based upon um, his commands. His command isn't excellent. But even so, even if he's going to be a, a guy that's going to carry a, a above average BABIP, I don't expect it to stay at a 352 level. That seems um, high, and I know it's come down over the last couple of starts. I know he was up around 385 at one point. We also have um, a little bit of change in his mix uh, with the move towards the sinker. The fastball is heavy. Um, I like him a lot, and the rotation isn't great here. So I think his leash is okay. I know Jimmy Nelson's going to be back soon, but I think Woodruff is plenty safe considering what is surrounding him in this rotation. I don't think he'll be the first guy out at all. I think he's actually one of their better starting pitchers. Um, so I'm, I'm a buyer on him. I've put out feelers for him in multiple formats. I haven't gotten any bites. Um, I'm sort of hoping for one more blow-up start to push that ERA back towards uh, the 4-5 range so that way I can buy him. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm into Brandon Woodruff. I, I think that he's <clears throat> he might have a little bit of that Robbie Ray profile where it's high K and the control's not always there, and sometimes he gives up a lot of hits and gets hit hard, but sometimes it can be you know a thing of beauty. Um <clears throat> but he won't cost you anywhere near what Robbie Ray will cost you. Okay, next I want to talk about Yandy Diaz. He left the other night with yankle, ankle, yankle. <laughs> ankle discomfort, uh, but it seems minor. It sounds like he may play tomorrow, or if not, then play on Saturday. Um, nine homers, a steal, 25 runs, 22 RBIs, uh, 273, 355, 31 slash, <clears throat> a 12% walk rate, a six, uh, a 17% K rate, 42.4% hard contact, uh, a line drive rate around 18%, 31% fly ball rate. Um, play discipline has been strong. That's always been part of his package, um, along with otherworldly exit velocity uh, that during his time in Cleveland was paired with a poor launch angle. He's still not perfect in that respect, a 1.62 grounders to fly ball um, rate. But that also means the average should be relatively solid. Uh, he's not going to hit a bunch of fly ball outs. Um, and he may have enough punch to live at that level, or at least he has at this point. He's been pulling his fly balls, and even when they've gone to the opposite field, um, he's got a couple of opposite field homers. Uh, uh, shown, he's shown the juice to leave the yard going oppo. Um, he's in a great hitter's division. 
and that's going to secure him some cheap homers. And some of the pitching he's going to face isn't great either. I mean, Toronto's pitching isn't great. Uh, Baltimore's pitching isn't great. Uh, Boston's pitching has been all over the place. Uh, so, you know, you you have some opportunity there. And he's earned himself some leash in the early going. Uh, he's been playing pretty much every day, either at the top of the lineup versus lefties or in the middle of the lineup versus righties. I'm buying this. And if the fly balls tick up more, I think this could be a really special player considering the low K rate. Um, I, I think that there is significant upside here. Um, even if he stays at the level that he's at, I think he's going to be fantasy relevant in all formats. But if the fly balls find their way into the mid to high 30s range, uh, this could be, you know, a, a 285, 370, uh, 560 type profile. I mean, this could be a really really strong hitter um, in the middle of what is probably a little bit of an underrated lineup. So uh, Yandi is a player I would go out and get. And, you know, if you're in a strict numbers format, you know, if, if Hunter's Dozier's line would push his value too high, um, Yandi's numbers are good, but they're not so good that, uh, especially in 5x5, five five, that he's unattainable. So he might be the guy that you might be able to get uh, more easily depending on what your sort of league preference is. And I think if I had the choice between the two, I think I would take Yandi over um, Hunter Dozier just because we've seen Yandi. <clears throat> we know Yandi has the, the track record of not striking out a lot and, and being able to take a walk. And Hunter Dozier has sort of come into his own recently, so we don't have a huge sample size of that. So I would side—I think I would side with the sample size on that. Plus, I have more faith that Yandi will keep the plus batting average. I think um, Dozier uh, may have the potential to, you know, hit a few too many fly balls and start to see that BABIP tick down. Uh, Yandi is not going to have that issue. It's the other way around. Uh, will he hit enough fly balls to hit for the power that he needs? And we've seen him thus far be able to do that. And with a strong exit velocity profile, um, I think that he can hit, you know, 30% in terms of fly balls and still be uh, a player that'll pace for, you know, 20 to 25 bombs. And if it goes any higher than that, then it's going to be, like I said, pretty, I think it'll be a pretty special player. All right, Tyler Molly uh, is the next guy I'm going to talk about. Uh, so we've got eight games started for him, 9.73K per nine. That's nice. Uh, sub two walks per nine. That's also nice, uh, especially those two together. Uh, 322 BABIP, so a little bit above average. 3.97 ERA with better peripherals. The swinging strike rate is just over 9%. He's got a new curveball, 22.3% on the curve. That wasn't part of his repertoire last year. The fastball is up in value. It's at a 4.5 P-Val. Um, so, I mean, we got some good stuff. we got some bad stuff here. Um, curveball guys tend to be called strike guys, so it's not stunning that there's a discrepancy between the whiff rate and the K rate. I imagine it's going to tick down, though, probably to 8.5 to 9 range over the course of the year. 
The park isn't great. Um, the schedule coming up is tough, and, and that division in particular is pretty tough. Um, I think he's going to be prone to blow-ups. Uh, I think he's all right. I, 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 I think he's a good back-end arm. I have no issue with rostering him and, and picking and choosing your spots, but there's going to be some blow-ups here. Um, I think he's a nice sell candidate if you can find a true believer, uh, but uh, I doubt you'll be able to, so he just might have to be your, you know, your number six starter. Uh, and, and I think he's more than adequate for that purpose. I, I just don't want you to go out and think that he's much more than that based upon a recent hot stretch. I, I think that, I think that some, some bad times are coming his way, but, um, there's also some legitimacy here. I mean, the curve, uh, is a legit change, uh, in his profile. Um, it's helped his fastball. Um, and he's... He's got decent command too, so it's not it's not a bad it's not a bad package. It's not one that's devoid of talent. It's not one that can't you know float in the high threes in terms of ERA. Um, it's just it's not going to be in line with um, where the peripherals have him. I don't think. So Tommy Listella is um, another player I want to talk about. And this one is sort of interesting. I, I think that some are still late to the game. On Yahoo, he's at 52% ownership. I was considering him last week, but uh, he got snatched up um, where he was available. Uh, plenty of pop early on here with 11 homers. He's hitting leadoff versus righties for the Angels. Uh, he, he's former utility guy. That's always had good plate skills, but was mostly a slap hitter. Um, but he's he's transformed himself. There are there are real changes here. I think the hard contact is up to over forty percent. Um, he's got a ground ball to fly ball rate that's floating near one, and still giving a strong line drive rate. Uh, I think the skills back it up somewhat. Uh, he's not going to hit forty homers that he's on pace for, but I think he's got a shot to post a nice average with pop. And even if he's part-time, he's hitting at the top of a lineup versus righties. That's going to make up for some of the volume issues if he does end up being a part-time guy. But I don't I don't know that he will be. I mean, he's got – there's not really a real platoon issue here that I see. I just think it's a lack of trust. Um, he's probably the cheapest player to acquire that we've talked about tonight, which is always a good thing. I don't know that anybody is buying this fully. Um, or even partially, and especially if he gets a couple of days off versus lefties, you might get you might be able to catch his owner with their pants down, thinking that he's losing playing time as opposed to really knowing what the player's current role is. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm a buyer on Listella as well. I I I think that there are real signs of changes here. Um, and he's been able to keep a lot of the positives as well. I mean, the strikeout rate hasn't gone um, crazy because he's swinging for the fences. He's, he's kept his strikeout rate low. Um, he's kept a strong line drive rate, which means that the BABIP, which I believe is floating around 254, isn't. I don't think that'll stick around either. I expect that to go up, and that'll probably coincide with the homers going down. And some of his fly balls will stop leaving the yard and find gloves. And some of his line drives will start to find um, 
the the field and go for hits. So I, I think Listella's got a got a pretty decent shot to hold some value here. Okay, after I take a drink. Um, last guy I want to talk about tonight is Chris Bassett. So we've got four starts, uh, 11.31K per nine, 2.55 walks per nine. Uh, Bassett, you may recall from years ago, was a pretty trendy potential sleeper. Um, yeah, I believe it might have been his first season in Oakland. Um, but then he got hurt, and he's bounced up and down in recent years. Uh, the numbers are promising in a small sample. we got a 12% swing strike rate here generating the most swings out of the zone at any point in his career, up around 34%. Um, and that says that the K rate is earned for the most part. He's throwing both a four-seamer and a sinker with a slider and a slow curve. The four-seam up, I think, has made the slow stuff play a little better. Um, he's interesting. It's only four starts, but there there may be something to believe in here. And again, uh, you know, like with Listella, He's probably the cheapest one that you're going to talk about tonight. But I think I would rather have Bassett than have than have Tyler Molly, for instance. Um, you know, and and if Bassett continues to pitch well, it's not like it's sort of the Brandon Woodruff situation. You know, there are other guys that they can take out of that Oakland rotation for Lazardo and for Puck um, that aren't or haven't been as effective as Bassett and probably don't have the same upside that Bassett has shown over the past four starts. Um, now, Bassett has also been a guy with an extensive injury history, so he may be an injury waiting to happen. <clears throat> At minimum, he's a ride-the-street ride guy, and I would pick him up and, and ride it until it fades for a couple of starts. But <clears throat> um, right now, it, it looks pretty promising. Okay, well, that's going to wrap up the show tonight. Um, thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. I have been a little less active than I would like to be, but that's just been because of uh, personal and professional obligations. Uh, when I get a little bit more freed up, I will be more active on there. Um, you can also follow uh, Joe on there at JoeFWO. I never know what the hell Nick's handle is. That's why I never say it. But I'm sure you can find him on there as well, uh, Nick Ligatino. And um, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I will be back next week in some form or fashion. Um, maybe I will do a show about some guys that have gotten off the hot starts that I'm sort of lukewarm on and not really buying. Um, again, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week.